Welcome. We're gonna have a we're gonna have a short devotion tonight, and then we're gonna have a couple songs and prepare our hearts for a time of prayer. And so maybe we could just pray around our tables. But let's open a word of prayer, and we'll see what the word of the Lord has for us tonight. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace, and and Lord, we thank you that we do live in a free country where we do get to vote. And Lord, um, we just pray for this whole process. We commit it to you. We know you already know the outcome. And, and so, Father, we just trust you with all these things. And, Lord, we pray that you would uh, help us not to become uh, so focused and uh, so filled with concern over these things that um, it, uh, it takes over our lives because it can very quickly. And so, Lord, we just pray that we would keep things in perspective and realize that tomorrow's another day and uh, our lives don't rise or fall on who is the president of the United States. But, Lord, we do, we do pray for a just outcome in this thing. And, Lord, we, uh, we pray that you would just um, have your will be done. And so, Lord, we pray tonight as we just look at one, one short verse in, in your word. I pray that it would, um, just as we introduce this today and, and uh, take a more complete look at it on Sunday. But, Father, we pray that you would uh, minister to our hearts tonight. Prepare our hearts for a time of prayer together. Lord, I pray that it would be beneficial for us to do this and to worship you. And, and Lord, it's just good to refocus during times like this. And we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, I just want to read one verse for us tonight. It's out of John chapter 14, verse 1. John chapter 14, verse 1. It says, And Jesus is speaking, he says, let not your hearts be troubled. He's speaking to his disciples, right? He said, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. This past year, 2020, has been a doozy, I guess you could call it, whatever. Uh, We've experienced more in the past 11 months than I think most people experience in their entire lifetime when you stop and think about it. And if you doubt me, let me re- remind you, not that you need reminding. First, we had the pandemic, right? The fear of the virus. We had death knocking at our door. We were sheltering in place. We had social distancing going on. We wore masks everywhere. Our country closed down a thriving economy. There was financial uncertainty, not just in our country, but around the world. For the first time in our country, there was actually uh, the, cla- the closing, the mandatory closing of houses of worship, churches. Then we thought, okay, we'll get through this. Then the fires hit <laughs> for us here in California, right? Um, we dealt with things like unhealthy air quality, where you literally probably shouldn't go outside because, not of the virus, but because of the smoke, <laughs> We had darkness fall at noontime, orange sky, and now we're faced with this uncertain presidential election outcome. And you want to look up into the sky and say, okay, Lord, what's next? At least I do. Um, Because none of us like uncertainty. Nobody does. We all like to know what's going to happen, when it's going to happen. Nobody enjoys not knowing what tomorrow may bring. 
Uh, personally, I went to bed early last night. I think it was about 8 o'clock. <laughs> I couldn't take it anymore. I said, I'm going to bed. And uh, I sheltered in place in my bed. And I turned off the news. And I actually played Michael W. Smith's new album on my earbuds, on my iPhone, titled Still. If you're not familiar with it, I encourage you to look it up. All it is is um, a totally instrumental album with him narrating scripture. That's all it is. Pretty simple. Um, And it's narrated portions of scripture, and it has his original music kind of slightly playing in the background. I just found it very um, soothing. I found it very uplifting spiritually. But even with all that positive music and word and scripture going through my earbuds into my brain, I laid there and my, thought, my head filled with thoughts of possible outcomes of this election and the ramifications of it. And as I laid there with the music playing and the words being read, I first dealt with the negative. I dealt with the negative. I, I have a philosophy in life personally. Some people find it strange, but it's got me through life, through some very difficult periods in my life. And I always, no matter what it is, I always choose to accept the negative first. Even though it may not happen, I just choose to accept it first. Um, I look at it, I become familiar with the worst possible scenario. Or outcome of a given situation. And I do this so much. I do this when I go on trips. Okay, if the plane goes down. If there's a hijacker on the plane. What's my plan? I play all this stuff through my head. And, you know, it's crazy, but, um, you know, I do it when my loved ones travel. What are you going to do if I get a phone call? Well, the plane's down. They're all dead. What's going to be my reaction? See, I I wrap my head around things like that first because when things like that happen, (laughs) if you've worked through it at least, it doesn't mean it's going to happen. But at least if you've looked into the sky and said, okay, Lord, I don't know what this plane ride or this, this political situation, I don't know what your will is, but whatever it is, I pray that I will have the grace and the wherewithal to look into heaven and wrap my arms around it and embrace it so i work through all the consequences in 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 my head and i understand from reading his word that god will give us the grace to embrace whatever the outcome of any given situation doesn't matter what it is whether you're going in for an interview with a job you don't know okay what's my reaction to be if i don't get it whether you're applying for a college all, all those things you can you can look at any situation and and run that through your mind and you have to it it helps me to remind myself at least that my place first of all first and foremost is continually and consistently this is the key right and i don't do this perfectly but this is what we should strive for continually and consistently trust in him right it doesn't matter what the circumstances are why because the bible says that what he cares for us he cares for us Uh, so i I consider the negative first and uh, that doesn't mean i'm a pessimist i'm very much an optimist i would say but i'm also a realist you know 
But then I consider the positive. You accept the negative, but then you consider the positive. Because once you have come to embrace the worst possible scenario, the, the negative outcome of, to anything, guess what? Everything else is what? Gravy. <laughs> right? If you, get, if you can wrap your mind around the negative happening, everything else is gravy or whipped cream or whatever topping you like. You know, it's a blessing to you, personally. Um, but I, one thing that you should not allow to happen, and we all go there, is panic or fear. And trust me, there's a lot of panic and there's a lot of fear in the hearts of a lot of people in our country right now. Because they do not understand how this could ever even happen if it does not turn out our way. They cannot wrap their mind around that. And yet, we just went through, what, the book of Habakkuk, right? Very timely. I told you it was going to be timely. And here is God raising up these Chaldeans, these wicked people to judge God's people. And Habakkuk can't understand it. And yet, God knew exactly what he was doing and why he was doing it. And it's our role not to question, it's not to fear, it's not to look into the sky with panic-stricken hearts, but it's simply to trust the Lord through these times. And, you know, fear, when you think about it, the, the wrong kind of fear. Now, there's a good kind of fear, right? I mean, there's a kind of fear where somebody's falling down the street and you run. I mean, that's a good kind of fear. God's giving us that. But there's a wrong kind of fear that's a paralyzing kind of fear. And fear, that kind of fear is, is simply a lack of trust in God's care for you. In other words, you're trusting God and Christ for your salvation, right? Don't you think that he could handle whatever financial problems, whatever relational problems, whatever, you know, children problems, whatever you're, what are your, whatever you're dealing with, whatever political problems that are concerning to you, I, I think he probably could. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to go your way or our way or whatever, however your inclination is on this whole thing. But on the other hand, um, you know, what a glorious thing for God to show himself faithful, to show himself true, to really put people where they need to be, on their knees, <laughs> before him. Not trusting in some pole, not trusting in some political pundit, because, I mean, you think we'd learned by now, right? <laughs> They've all been disproven. There's no sense to what happens. And there's no sense to why. But I guarantee you that, you know, whether Trump wins this election or Biden wins this election, the, rise, the sun will rise tomorrow. <laughs> you know, we will go on with our lives. Yeah, it may be difficult. But then again, you know, there's a lot of controlling factors in our government. And uh, it's not like they totally won everything. So God has, for whatever reason, placed a pause, I think, in this whole thing. And I told my wife earlier today, maybe it's God's grace. Maybe the anxiety and the tension was so much last night that if we had a clear winner, there would have been major riots. No doubt. I mean, they were preparing for them, right? So maybe God in his sovereign hand is, doesn't mean Trump's not going to win. 
but it also means that maybe in his sovereign providence of what's going on here, maybe it's the it's like the pressure cooker in the kitchen. You know, you don't walk in there and just pop the lid off that 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 baby. You, what do you do? You, you Turn the thing and the steam eases out slowly. So who knows? Uh, who knows how this is going to work out? But I do know that we're not called to panic. We're not called to be anxious about these things. You know, you think of the disciples, and we're going to talk a little bit about this on Sunday, but, you know, why did Jesus tell them, let not your hearts be troubled? I mean... It's, it's kind of an interesting passage when you think of what they were going through. You know, we're very hard on the disciples. How, you know, they were with Jesus physically. How could they doubt? How could they do this? How could Peter deny? All this stuff. And yet, you know what? Think about it. Here they are following their leader, the king, the Messiah, who has incredible power, has the ability to, you know, go like this to Rome, and they're done. And that's what they were looking for. And all of a sudden, he's having little chats with them about, well, I'm not going to be here much longer. I'm going to die. And they're going, what? It was hard. It was very hard, right, for them to accept the truth. And the truth was God's, what? God's plan. And so sometimes when we're faced with God's will, um, it's not always what we want. And yet, it's definitely what God desires to happen for his purpose. Who knows why? And so whatever the outcome of this, it shouldn't paralyze us. It shouldn't cause us to, to stop in our tracks. And I, I passed out some verses there, and I just want some folks to read them. Uh, the first one was Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Amen. See, that's not an option for a believer. This isn't like, well, you know, it's okay not to be anxious when everything's going well, and, but when things get bad, then, then you can be anxious. That's not saying that. It says, do not be anxious, what? About anything. Nothing. Even if your Messiah King comes to you and says, hey, you know, I'm going to be dead in a couple days. <laughs> Later. I mean, think of what was in their hearts. And then James 1, verse 12. You know, I was thinking about this process. I was thinking more personally about the individuals going through this process, both candidates. I mean, everything's on the line for them, everything. You know, I mean, and we, we tend to think, well, if they don't fit in our political arena, then they're the enemy, but <clears throat> they're both human beings. <laughs> and one of them's going to win and one of them's going to lose. And there's going to be a lot of disappointment on both sides, no matter what, really. But on the other hand, um, you know, I can't, I think sometimes um, God allows things to happen in people's lives to humble them, to allow them to understand that, um, you know what, I'm in control, you're not. 
And I think it's during those times that James says, you're called to remain steadfast under pressure, under trial. You don't, you don't get to throw up the white flag, especially as a believer. And, you know, you know I, I, I just think, what, what if God's plan, if our president doesn't know him personally, is to break our president? cause him to fall on his knees before God and to realize, wow, this is not about me. I mean, I, I hope that's not true. I mean, I hope his salvation is, but I hope this isn't the process, but you don't know. See, you have to keep things in perspective, I think. Um, I don't know if many of you know, but um, uh, uh, Chalice just lost his son, 19-year-old son, um, Tim, Tim Chalice, right? Tim Chalice, 19-year-old, went to Boyce College, was playing soccer, fell over dead, had a heart attack or something was wrong. 19-year-olds. Yeah, he was engaged, too. A wonderful kid, you know. I mean, that's my grandson's age, right? And I'm thinking, wow, put it in perspective. Here we are, you know, (laughs) stupid election. And this guy has lost his son. I mean, you know, and that's where sometimes... I think we have to step back and realize that, you know what, when you listen to the news and the toxic stuff we're hearing day in and day out, it puts us in a corner to where we think, uh, we just work in a frenzy. And they're all telling us, oh, this person's going to win. You know, I was flipping through the things earlier, and I thought, okay, this isn't good. I'm going to bed. Because every channel had something different. You know, some called this day, some didn't. I thought, okay, this is too close. It's, I'm just going to go pray because <laughs> I don't know what else to do. Because, I mean, the more you watch, the more you get frustrated. Um, I finally ended up at Newsmax, but still, or AON's another uh, um, good, good channel. But it was, I mean, it was really kind of crazy. And that's what the disciples were dealing with. Um, so we need to stay steadfast under trial. Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. You know, and that, that that's such a that's such a wonderful verse, and and the Lord spoke to anxiousness a lot, because He knew what's in the human heart. He knew His disciples better than anyone, um, and He knows us better than anyone, and He knows we're concerned. He knows we're anxious. He knows people were are in a state of panic, but at the same time. That doesn't mean God's not in control. That God has somehow, you know, stepped away and said, ah, you know, I don't know what's going on. No, God's in perfect control. And um, we just need to be reminded of that. And then the last verse, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Yeah, he cares for you. God cares for us. We don't know. Disciples didn't understand when Jesus was telling, him, telling them he was going to die. They didn't understand the concept of death and resurrection and, oh, it's all going to work out. They didn't know that. So, yeah, they were in a state of panic. They were in fear. And you know what? I, I think that, you know, when we look back on this year, there were so many things to be fearful and panic-stricken of. Um, legitimate things. You know, um, 
I mean, it, it took me until 7 o'clock this morning to finally get the courage to turn on the news. I didn't talk to my wife. I heard her come to bed around midnight. She wasn't yipping and yelling, so I thought, this isn't good. <laughs> this is not good. I guarantee if, if it would have went our way, boy, there would have been a party, you know, but it wasn't. And I thought, okay, she's kind of too calm for anyone to have won. So, and all night, this is running through my head. I mean, it was like torture, right? Um, and I finally got the courage to get up, get a cup of coffee, turn on the news. And that's what I, I, I thought of is how did the disciples feel when Jesus said to them, let not your heart be troubled. The, the last few days in their lives up to this point had been a roller coaster, right, of emotion. Just incredible. Think about it. I mean, he's got hordes of people following him. He's doing all these miracles and they're thinking, yeah, we're going to go and take over. We can't lose. They had these messianic hopes, and they'd reached this apex during his triumphal entry. Only to be dashed when Jesus publicly announced in John 12, 24, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. They didn't get it. They're like, yeah, okay, now, now Jesus is a farmer. I mean, they had no idea what he was talking about. And then he repeated the same prediction privately to them. In John 13, 33, he says, Little children, I'm, I'm with you a little while longer. He was trying to hint, you know, hint, hint. I'm not going to be here much longer. He says, You will seek me, and as I have said to the Jews, now I also say to you, where I am going, what? You can't come. In other words, there's going to come a time very soon where I will physically leave your presence. And that struck fear into their heart. No doubt. And I think like their, their fellow Jews, the disciples saw the Messiah as a conquering king. And uh, they believed that he came to free them from this bondage to Rome and restore Israel's sovereignty and glory and extended all over the world. And the concept of him dying just had no place in their theology. Luke chapter 24, verse 21, it says this, And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, verse 20, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death, and crucified, verse 21, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. See, their hopes were dashed. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. See? So you, you, you have to be, uh, be willing to ride through the storm, okay, to enjoy the calm. Um, I think the disciples had forsaken, I mean, on a personal note, I mean, think about this. They gave up everything, right? They gave up their businesses, some of them very lucrative. Matthew was a tax collector, very lucrative business. He walked away from it. The fishing businesses were gone. They walked away from it. And this was what it was in their heart, too. Uh, Matthew chapter 19, verse 27, Peter points this out. He sa it says, then Peter said in reply, 
see, he's talking to the Lord, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? In other words, if you leave, what are we left with? What are we left with? And you think of other events that they have wrestled with in the upper room and the emotional turmoil that they felt during this time. Um, they were really put in a shameful place by Jesus. Remember when he wanted to wash their feet? Right? <laughs> Who do you think you are? You're not going to wash our feet. And Jesus prompted Jesus to humbly do what they refused to do, so he washed them. Um, they sat around the table dumbfounded when Jesus says, one of you is going to betray him. They, they, they had no idea. They were even going, is it me? Is it me? And then they were really appalled at the news that their leader, Peter, probably the strongest and boldest of all of them, would deny Christ one day. It's like, have you lost your mind, Peter? Really? They had no idea what was coming. And I think they also sensed in John 13, verse 21, the Lord himself. It says in verse 21, after saying these things, what's it say? Jesus was troubled in his spirit. He was troubled. They probably never really anticipated or saw Jesus troubled to this degree before. So all this is adding up. And so when Jesus told them, do not let your heart be troubled, he was not telling them not to start being troubled. <laughs> they were already troubled. They were already concerned. Um, someone said to me today, but, you know, if, if this side wins, boy, you know, the slaughter of babies will continue. I got news for you. It's going to continue anyway. Because our president doesn't have a magic wand. It's got to go through a process. You know, I mean, our president is the president. He's not a king. He works within a government. You know, we have to stop thinking that, you know, just because someone holds that office that our nation is gone, totally gone. Now, it could be, you know, <laughs> gone through a lot of harm <laughs> under the wrong leadership, but we've already been through that, right? I mean, we've been through that before. And so when Jesus says, do not let your heart be troubled, he was telling them to stop being troubled because they were already troubled. That word troubled, terrasso, means to shake up or stir up. It's kind of like when you're making your little protein shake in the morning, you know, and you shake it up with the little thing inside. It's, it's, it's used to describe the literal stirring of the, the pool of Bethesda. Um, but it, it, it refers to a severe mental or spiritual agitation. And, and trust me, people are agitated, not just Christians. People that are conservative, even outside of Christ, are agitated over this whole process. But you know what? It is what it is. And I think it, it's, it's the Lord's way of telling us, you know what? It's, it's in my hands. It's not in your hands. And you need to trust me. It's not about the outcome. That's irrelevant. 
See, it's a matter of embracing whatever the outcome is because we know that the Bible says that he raises kings up, he raises, brings them down. And, you know, when everything's going our way, boy, we're just, yeah, 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 praise the Lord. And then when things turn, we're like, Habakkuk, wait a minute, what are you doing? You can't do this, God. Well, yeah, he can. It's not like we don't deserve it. I mean, if, if the current president wins this election, it's pure grace. Pure grace. It's God saying, okay, you know what? I'll give you a second chance. I'll give you a do-over. And I'm not talking about the president personally. I'm talking about our nation, right? Because I think we've misplaced our loyalty. And we need to be reminded that that's not where our loyalty belongs. Um, I mean, Jesus knew his disciples' hearts better than anyone. He understood their confusion. He understood their concerns. And he is compassionate. He's not hard. He, he sympathizes with their sorrows. He sympathizes with our griefs, just like he sympathizes with our concerns. Um, because anything, anything that happens to us, um, good, bad, whatever, the Lord is... As his children, the Lord is sovereign over that. Um, But he felt their pain, and he sought to comfort them. And so, you know, when he says, let not your heart be troubled, and he follows up there, believe in God, believe also in me. Um, Christ is confirming, right? He's affirming his deity. And uh, we just need to be reminded that um, God is sovereign over these things and that we need to trust in him, in him alone. Amen. Well, let's, we're going to sing a couple songs and then we will uh, have our prayer time. So let's, uh, let's uh, close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your words. Um, let not our hearts be troubled, Lord. We know that you're over all these things. We know that you sovereignly um, control everything. And uh, God, we we don't want to misplace our loyalty to an individual or a political party, but Lord, we do want to be thought of as as kingdom people. That Lord, um, whatever your your purpose and the outcome of this election, Lord, we pray for your grace and we pray for... uh, no matter who we voted to or for, we're probably praying our candidate pulls this out. But, Lord, you know the outcome. And so, Lord, I pray that we would just um, have a complete trust in your sovereign hand in dealing with this. And, Lord, I pray for those who don't know Christ, who are distraught. And, Lord, I think of the last election and how many people were just uh, overcome with um, grief and stricken with panic. And they, they couldn't conceive of our current president being the president and yet it's been okay (laughs) the world hasn't ended Um, and so lord i I pray that we would have the same the same mindset that lord we would trust you um, no matter what what takes place in the next day or week and father we pray that we would embrace it and we pray for both candidates that your your um protection would be on them and their families and and lord pray that you would give us calm in this nation Um, and somehow lord that you would uh, draw us together in unity and we thank you and we praise you in jesus name Amen. amen